been calling this Ten Commandments series this time around through the Ten Commandments Quest for Holiness. And here's uh, part of what's behind that and, and how that can connect with your life. We're, we're given new life in Jesus. Grace. It's a gift. But we're also called to actively seek. We're called to actively live the new life through the power of the Spirit of God. That's, that's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong quest. It's a lifelong calling to holiness. And each commandment shows us how to do that. This commandment, the eighth one, reads, do not steal. It's, it's about not stealing. It's about our possessions, what we do with them before God, and in terms of those around us. This is in the second part of the Ten Commandments, which means this is especially about loving our neighbors as ourselves in terms of our possessions as well, our stuff. Even broader than our possessions, we could say that this commandment points us to the theme of stewardship. Stewardship, the first thing we often think of is our finances. Stewardship has to do with our finances, but a whole lot more than that. Stewardship has to do what we do with our time, our, our talents, and all our resources, including our finances. And talking about stewardship and talking about this kind of stuff as a church, it can be kind of touchy, especially when you bring money into the conversation. People get very sensitive when you talk about money, it seems. But I want you to know uh, that as a church, we, we don't seek to manipulate we do not twist people's arms. We do not make feel, people feel guilty. You will find that sometimes in churches when talking about stewardship. But we don't believe that's right. We don't believe that angle, those angles on stewardship is right. And, and that, that goes back, that connects with our discussions from 2 Corinthians on how we persuade and how we convince others. We believe that we're simply called to teach and preach God's word. And then we, we trust in the work of the Spirit, that he will make a difference, that he will cause the seed of the word to grow, making a difference, transforming us. We don't need to twist people's arms on this or anything else. We just need to trust in God. And we ourselves, of course, are called to open our hearts and our minds to the Lord and His work and to His Word and His Spirit. So there's, there's a calling there for us. Tonight, three biblical principles relating stewardship to the Eighth Commandment. Three biblical principles that we're going to touch on. First of all tonight, the Eighth Commandment calls us to a knowledge that God is the owner of everything. Thinking about this commandment, our possessions, stewardship, the Bible tells us that God owns everything, and the Bible, call, Bible calls us to a, a true knowledge that God is the owner of everything. We, we, need to, we need to know this truth because as human beings, we have the tendency to get very prideful of our stuff. 
our land, our home, our possessions. Look what I've got. Look what I earned by my toil and sweat. And, and you know, I deserve it. After, after how hard I work, I deserve it. And I'll do with what, my stuff what I please. No. It's all God's. It always was. And it always will be. Because he's the creator. This truth flows out of the fact that he created everything out of nothing, including us. And the fact is, without him and without his will, you've got nothing. He's given you your health, what health you have, your work, your family, your stuff, your very life. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Anything and everything we have on this earth was granted to us by him. Wealthy, wealthy Job confessed in Job one twenty one that God gave him everything he had, and then he took it all away, too. The Lord makes people poor, and he makes them rich, 1 Samuel 2.7 says. A key calling for Israel, and we read in Leviticus 25.23, one of the places, a key calling for Israel was for them to remember as they lived on this earth that they are pilgrims and sojourners and god's people in all times need to remember that like uh uh, easter sunday morning remember that that church member of ours that conversation i shared that he had with that individual where he said this might be uh my house where i'm living now but i have to tell you my my real home is waiting for me in heaven that's a pilgrim. That's the attitude of Scripture for us. We're sojourners. This is not our end destination. We don't steal because it's not ours to take. It's God's. God, in His providence, in His plan, in His design, ultimately, it's Him. He's the one who allowed that person to have that house and that kind of car. And not you, maybe. And, and when we, we speak about property and possessions owned by people, we have to recognize that those things, property, possessions, that's only true in a relative sense. Nobody is an owner in an absolute sense like God. Sin entered the world and it makes us miss this. It, it messes a lot of things up, including our perception of our possessions and our things. And in Christ, we can see correctly again, because of Jesus, we're not our own. This Bible study series starts out that way. We belong to him. We belong to him, and everything we have belongs to him too. Listen how one writer puts it. When man finds Jesus, it costs him everything. Jesus has happiness and joy and peace and healing and security, eternity. Man marvels at such a pearl and says, I want this pearl. I want Jesus. How much does it cost? The seller says, it's too expensive. It's too costly. But how much, this man says. Well, it's very expensive. 
This person who wants Jesus says, do you think I could buy it? The answer is it costs everything you have. No more, no less. So because no more, no less, anybody can buy it. I'll buy it, says the guy. What do you have? Let's write it down. Well, I've got $10,000 in the bank. Good. $10,000. What else? I have nothing more, the guy says. That's all I have. Have you nothing more, says God? Well, I have some dollars here in my pocket. How many? Let me see. 30, 40, 50, 80, 100, 120. $120. That's fine. I'll take that too. What else do you have? Nothing else. Well, where do you live? I live in my house. Well, the house too. Then, then I've got to live in my garage. You have a garage too? That too. Do you mean I have to live in my car then? You've got a car as well? No, I have two cars. Well, both become mine. Both cars. What else? Well, you've got my house, the garage, the cars, my money, everything. What else? Are you alone in the world? No, I've got a wife and two children. Your wife and your children too. Them too, yes. Everything you have. What else? I have nothing else. I'm left alone now. Oh, you too. Everything becomes mine. Wife, children, house, money, cars, everything. And you too. And now you can use all those things here. But don't forget that they are mine. Just like you are. God is the owner of everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It all belongs to him. God owns everything, but yet we still have possessions. How does that work? The Bible says it works this way. We are stewards, and that leads us to our second thought tonight. The eighth commandment inspires us to live as stewards of all we have. What a steward does... Uh, we, none of us have stewards, but I think you're familiar with the idea. A steward manages the goods of another person, and in this case, it's another capital A. We manage the goods of another. And, and that, that, that concept, that idea is found in, in the Bible in, in a variety of ways. We we learn about in Matthew 25, Luke 19, in the parable of the talents and the minas that we'll have to give account of what we have done with our possessions. God is Lord over everything, including our talents, our time, our money. This is the idea of stewardship. Stewardship. That, that's, that's the general idea. We manage our goods for another, for God. I want to I talk just about four, what I hope are practical, helpful ways to do that now that we've got this general idea. One, some ideas, live in a calling. How, how can we live as stewards? How do we do stewardship? You can live in a calling. Ephesians 4.28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands. People need a calling. People need a purpose. Work, something useful to do. As one pastor put it, an idle person tempts the devil to tempt him. To live as a steward calls us to some kind of work, to productivity in our life, uh, to, to a calling of some sort. It also calls us to use our time and talents and resources 
for the upbuilding of God's church and kingdom. And that's a, a second idea. We live as stewards by using our time, talents, and resources for building up God's church and kingdom. The Heidelberg Bible Study Series says that the Eighth Commandment forbids pointless squandering of God's gifts. Instead, the opposite of that is using them for his church and for his kingdom. We give our talents, our our time, what we can to the church and kingdom. That includes giving our money to the church and kingdom. That's how God set it up. Like I said, we looked at the Malachi passage in depth last November. God calls his people here throughout Scripture to give as they've been blessed. Proportional giving, and the Bible refers to the tithe, 10% of our income as the starting place for our giving. The priority is to our church, and then beyond that, if we can, we can give to other worthy causes. The congregation has a budget before it that we're going to look at tomorrow night, and as you know, as always, our own church budget has that worked into it already, giving to a variety of outside causes, all related to our denomination, uh, Christian Horn World Missions, World Relief Committee. Actually, one of those we don't, and I always forget which one, and our vice president is laughing at me. One of them we don't, but Calvin Seminary, Back to God Ministries. So, in, in a sense, you see, just as God calls, what, what's kind of cool about how our budget set up actually is just as God calls his people to support the church and beyond with 10% or more of their income, it's also very appropriate for us as a church to give beyond ourselves too. And we do that. And God has blessed us so much that we can give far more than 10% beyond ourselves as a church. And, and that's, that's right there in our budget. Connecting directly with the Eighth Commandment, Malachi 3 says, when we're talking about this tithing matter now, Malachi 3 says, we rob God when we do not do this. And that's pretty serious language. This is not a light matter. It's wrong to steal from people. We certainly don't want to do that. We most certainly don't want to steal from God. It's not only about money, this robbing. We miss the eighth commandment, and we rob God when we fail to use our time, talents, and resources for Him and for His glory and for the upbuilding of His church and through the upbuilding of the church, the spread of the gospel. A third, living as stu- a third point here, living as stewards also means we fight social injustice. That's how we're called to live as stewards. We fight social injustice. This is big in Scripture. This commandment speaks against people or society or the government swindling, robbing the poor out of the meager possessions they may have. This speaks to Things like embezzling and mismanaging public funds. It speaks against expanding one's territory unrighteously through war. All sin is evil, but those in places of power have great power to steal too. People in great power have power that goes way beyond 
anything that any of us are capable of on our own. Do not steal, you know, I think it makes us think of, of, of swiping a candy bar from a 7-Eleven. And that's certainly wrong. But there's a scale of theft that can happen and has happened when those in powerful positions in our world abuse that power to gain wealth and in doing so are stealing. Martin Luther says this, and I think I've I've used this quote before. I'm not sure you'd remember it, but Luther says, we might well let... This is him talking about Germany in his days, 1500s. We might well let the lesser individual thieves, the petty thieves alone, if only we could arrest and imprison the great, powerful, arch-thieves with whom princes and rulers associate. They daily are pillaging not only our storefronts, not only a city or two, but they're pillaging all of Germany. Jeremiah 22 talks of the rich man's mansion being built with his neighbor's money by making his neighbor work for mere pennies. That's theft. That's theft, says the Bible. Any type of oppression that happens by people who have more money or power than others, whether it's individual citizens or leaders, that goes against everything the Bible says about how we are to treat the poor and the weak and the needy. The catechism says, I am to work faithfully to what? To have a cushy retirement? To have an extravagant lifestyle? I am to work faithfully to get what I'm due? No. Though those are all reasons to work faithfully that the world might come up with. Very interesting The purpose for working faithfully is to help those in need. Now, I'm sure the catechism is assuming that faithful working will be enough to provide for what we need for our own household, and that's very important. But then, what do we do with the rest? The Bible says, help those in need. The Eighth Commandment is about theft. Well, Lack of social justice in a community, in a nation, in the world, that robs people. It robs people of their human dignity. One more thought in this, how to live as stewards. If we follow these biblical principles, being a steward, we can and we should also enjoy what God gives us without a bitter aftertaste, without feeling guilty without wondering constantly, you know, if we've given enough to the church or have we given enough to those in need. That's not the way to live. There is a time to be convicted about your giving. And there's a time to be convicted about caring for the hungry and the poor in our world and to do something about it personally in our churches, in terms of broader justice in our nation and government, in terms of how we vote. But then there's a time to go on vacation and not feel guilty about it too. All right? In short, we are stewards. We're stewards when we manage our possessions as God's property. That's the key idea here. And if you can... Get that and, and, and pray that into your life, and we can be working on that. 
that's going to go a long way toward us following the biblical idea of stewardship. We are stewards when we manage our possessions as God's property. One third and final thought tonight, okay? What we've seen so far is what the Eighth Commandment in stewardship calls in terms of our our knowledge and understanding in terms of our head, our head knowledge in a way, it's more than that, but we're called to know that God is the owner of everything. We've seen what it means in terms of our hands, our actions, our living. We live as stewards. Finally, for just a couple minutes tonight, we're going to look to our hearts. The Eighth Commandment invites a heart disposition a basic heart disposition of contentment. Contentment. When you think of your heart, we can come up with problems that could be there that would lead to stealing, that would lead to not treating our possessions as gods. For example, a lack of trust in our hearts. A lack of trust can make us fail to be stewards. A lack of trusting in God's providence will lead to thinking like this. I'm going to take matter into my, matters into my own hands. I'm, I'm not going to be content with what I have. I'm going to take from someone else. I, I just don't trust that, that God's going to be able to do it on his own. So I've got to take things into my own hands and, and possibly steal. Also, Covetousness in our hearts, that can lead to problems in terms of the Eighth Commandment and stewardship. Covetousness is an immoderate desire of getting. It's always wanting stuff that's not yours. The remedy, the heart disposition that will help you guard against this is contentment. Be content with the estate God has given you. Philippians 4.11. I have learned, says Paul, to be content in whatever state I'm in. Study contentment. Believe that the position you're in that God has carved out for you in life is best for you. God can bless that little bit of oil in the jar. God can bless and multiply whatever you make so that you and your family can live just as he calls you to live. Remember that you're not going to need these things for very long. Think about that sometimes. You're not going to need your things for very long. We're not going to carry anything out of this world with us. We need earthly possessions. They're necessary for living. And in our hearts, there's a certain measure of desire from, for them. And that's legitimate. We need things in this earth. Clothes and home and health and work and friendship and love. Well, contentment is having enough and being satisfied. The secret isn't in things, but it's in the heart. Paul had learned, whether in prison, 
in whatever external circumstance to be content. He learned to adjust the inner state of his mind and heart to outward things and circumstances. Contentment, it's a gift of God's grace. Ultimately, living contentedly is truly knowing that God is in control of everything, including even your life. Living contentedly through the power of his word and spirit will keep us from stealing in any form and it will make us be stewards of God in Jesus with all our time, with all our talents, with all our possessions, whatever he's given us. Amen.